What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Making these hits. Hey, making these flips. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard, where every 25-point lead is safe. As always, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Hey, what it do, Sid? It's been a long time, man. A long time. Life done got in the way a little bit. <laughs> hey, them <laughs> jobs said, come here, let me holler at you. <laughs> but we finally done got to a point where we can sit down, we can talk. Luckily, we're in a spot where the only thing that's really going on is the NBA Finals, you know, so we, we haven't missed too much uh, that we can't catch back up on. But, uh, man, as always, we're going to start where we always start. We're going to start with the home team, bro. We're going to start with some Saints talk. Uh, last time we talked, it was right after the draft. It was right after uh, Tyron Matthews signed his deal. Um, and now, you know, when they got to some voluntary OTAs, you know, headed towards some mandatory, you know, mini camps and things of that nature. Um, we got Jarvis Landry in the house. We we went in and doubled down on adding another receiver after drafting Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. Um, brought Jarvis Landry in on a one-year deal, prove it deal, basically, you know, go out there and the money is out there to be made if you, you know, perform how we think you can perform. Um, but now we're looking at, man, I'm hearing I'm hearing people out there saying, look, bro, this wide receiver group went from last year not even having a true number one to this year we're talking about if there any group of four that's better than, than what we tried out there. Uh, this season. So, what are your thoughts on the Jarvis Landry signing, and what our receiving core has become in general over this offseason? I absolutely love it. Uh, you go get fresh blood and Chris Olave, a guy who can kind of scratch the field. Uh, of course, everybody's predicting that Michael Thomas would be his former self. Uh, we know he's a between the numbers type of guy. Um, you know, you throw that in with a respectable veteran like Jarvis Landry, uh, Landry although he's not, you know, uh, what he was when he first came in the league with the Dolphins, I still believe he can give us a spark uh, in offense. Uh, he's a for sure handed guy. I believe his route running is a little bit underrated. And what we're going to ask for him to do, uh, I don't think it's going to be too much for him. We're not asking him to go out there and, and just be this unstoppable threat. We're asking him to win his his matchups that he'll be likely, you know, favored the matchup against DBs in the slot that he should be able to win. Uh, given the fact that Jameis Winston threw the ball pretty good last year, I know a lot of people, you know, still don't 100% believe in him as a as a franchise quarterback. But if he was able to go out there and win games and look good prior to being hurt, um, this receiving core is 10 times better than what he had to work with last year. So, you know, given all the guys that we have, uh, hopefully he starts to feel comfortable with Olave uh, Laundry and uh, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas kind of early. Um, you know, sky's the limit. I feel for this team. The only thing that I'm worried about is this is his first time, his first year throwing to all of those guys. So most quarterbacks have to get used to throwing to one guy. He's getting used to throwing to all three. Yeah, and that's and that's a concern. But once again, is that's why it's so big to see him out there now at these voluntary OTAs and stuff like that, and actually being able to throw the football to these guys and, and start to build a connection. Because you talk about last year, man, we went into week one of the season uh, with Callaway as our number one receiver, you know, hoping that we can get a good bit out of Deontay Hardy. And and, and some of us 
waiting uh, impatiently for Traquan Smith to come back just to see if that could give us anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're in a situation where Traquan Smith realistically might not make the 53-man roster uh, mm-hmm. come August. So this um, we're looking at a receiving core of you know Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, uh, Marquez Callaway, Deontay Hardy. Um, man, this might be the best core that we've had at wide receiver in, in a while. Yeah, in a, in a good, in a good bit. Um, so, man, this is this is shaping up. And, and like you said, man, look what Jameis was able to do last year, basically just off a of scheme because you know you don't have Michael Thomas out there, and these other guys aren't quite um, what you need from a wide receiver. But look what he was able to do through the games that he played. I heard mm-hmm. somebody say the other day that he was on pace for. 40 touchdowns, uh, you know, low uh, 10 to 15 interceptions. And that's, that's what we need from Jameis. So if he can come back and look like that, um, like he did last year, the receiving help that he's going to get now is only going to make his production even better. So still, to me, it's all going to come down to, once again, can Jameis Winston continue to take care of the football? Because if he can then, man, we're looking at a, easily a top 10 offense going into, you know, this next season. Feel the same. Um, so we touched on Jarvis Landry. Um, once again, mini camp. Uh, it's good to see veterans show up for these voluntary camps, for sure, especially with as many newcomers that we have that's going to be important. Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, though. Jameis Winston, even though, you know, he's still rehabbing, uh, but looks to be, like as he says, that he feels like he should be full go come training camp. So everything is looking up for us uh, at this point. There are still some holes, uh, just not big gaping ones like we had coming into this offseason when we were looking at receiver uh, and uh, trying to figure out exactly what our secondary was going to look at. Uh, right now, to you, what is the what is the what is the spot that we can address? What's that biggest issue, or not issue, but what's that? What's the number one spot when you're looking at you saying, "Look, if we address this, that shores up another position and brings us stronger to being, you know, a, a playoff team next year." Um, a lot of people would say tight end, but I feel like our tight end play was so bad last year that it it only has to be better this year. Um, whether you look at it like Taysom Hill is going to step into a better role at tight end, all the guys who we had last year is just going to be a little bit more healthier and actually trying to hold on to, to some of those balls. So I'm not going to go tight end. I'm going to go linebacker. Uh, I was a big fan of Quan Alexander. He filled a big hole and played a big role in our defense. Uh, he was a big guy that can get sideline to sideline, and I think his coverage ability was a little underrated. Um, but our front four is still going to find a way to get pressure. We just need those backers that's smart enough to be where they need to be and roam the field. So if we can get our hands on another linebacker that was similar to Kwan, or if we can bring Kwan back, uh, I'll be safe and I'll feel safe. But um, until then, I think that outside linebacker position is going to be questionable. So I'll tell you something about that. I was listening to Locked on Saints uh earlier this week, and he had in, man, her name escapes me right now, but she works for NFL Network. She's uh, real big on analytics. Um, she does all the predictions and stuff like that up there. And she was saying how she did a list of the uh, most underrated player on each team. Um, of course, not including these superstars and, you know, people were all pros and stuff like that. But for us, it was Pete Warner. It was Pete Warner. He was he was the the most underrated when you look at his stats and things of that nature. 
Um, once again, he wasn't out there in a full-time role last year, so his sample size is a little smaller. But when you look at percentages of run stops and, and, and things of that nature, he was pretty high on the list of other rookie uh, linebackers uh, and showed to really attributed to what our defense was last year. So I think I think even if we bring back Quan at this point, I think P. Warner is probably there. Like I think that's his spot. Um, I do want Quan Alexander back. I will. Once again, you can't you can't there you can't put a price on what the leadership aspects and just the knowledge of being around the game. Like he can definitely help further develop a Pete Warner uh, and other guys in that linebacker uh, room. But I think I think Pete Warner is going to be the guy there going into next season. Well, if, and if you remember, Pete Warner was our guy. We spent the second round draft pick on him from Ohio State. He was brought in to be that guy. But... Well, I'm not saying he wasn't brought in. To, I'm saying he wasn't. He wasn't that guy. This is your starter. You're playing ninety percent of the snaps last year. He wasn't that. Is oh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, he was playing and starting uh, in place of Quan while he, you know, still was coming through rehab or whatnot. And once he got healthy, he kind of took back over that starting role. And Quan played great last year. Uh, I'm not just singling him out, singling him, singling him out as to be a superstar, but I think a lot has to do with, like you said, he's a veteran, right? He's been in the lead a bunch of years. Uh, our front four continue to play great, kept everything in front of them, and you just have to be where you're supposed to be and make the play, and that's what he done. So I'm not saying that Pete Warner can't do it, but I'm more of a for sure guy. No Quan can do it because he did it last year. Obviously, he's still dealing with uh, some sort of injury. He's still looking to get paid, uh, and and that's and that's the issue for me is the injury. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. so I, yeah. Um, once again, you want him back. Realistically, it can't be much money that he's oh, expecting man. to get out there for him right now. That's why I kind of expect for him to be back. But I think P. Warner is definitely going to be uh, a guy to keep an eye on for next year to take a big step. Um, <laughs> for me, it's tight end. I, I, <laughs> it's, it's tight end. You know, Adam Troutman had a disappointing season last year, but I blame the disappointment on – he was just too hyped going into it. Absolutely. Especially as a player that we initially didn't know much about. Never heard everything, of him. Everything about him once we got him was these incredible raves about him uh, and about what he could be. Um, and I think that is why it was so disappointing for him to come out and play the way he did. But at the end of the year, he ended up starting to pick up mm-hmm. um, as well. But between Adam Troutman, Nick Vanette, Taysom Hill... Um, I think Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson and man, I I keep it once again. I gotta I gotta make sure I'm writing down these names when I'm listening to these podcasts and stuff like that. But you have uh, undrafted guys who are going to come out. We got an undrafted guy right now at tight end six six uh, can fly. I think he's running like a four five or four six something like that. That's really impressive right now. But you get those guys every year. So mm-hmm. right now, just looking at the for sure thing of Nick Vanette, Adam Troutman. Taysom Hill, you got to bet on Troutman, in my opinion. You hope you know what Taysom Hill is going to give you. I just don't really see him being able to be out there on the field as your true number one starting tight end. Um, and Nick Vanette, when he played, he played decently. But I think the upside of what Troutman can give you, especially as a receiver, is going to be what you bet on. Um, but once again, you better your receiving core you better the looks you're going to be able to get from your tight end, the positions you're going to be able to put him in because 
ain't nobody gonna be, you know, really worried about whoever we got lining up on tight end at tight end, especially in the beginning. But I wouldn't mind getting another for sure thing in the house at tight end. Um, not even you're not getting no bona fide starter out here at tight end at this point, but a veteran presence who who can, if nothing else, really mold these other guys. I know Kyle Rudolph is still sitting out there. I'd love to bring in a Kyle Rudolph on a vet deal and, and, you know, get him around those guys and, if needed, get him out there on the field because what he can give you is still better than what we had last year for sure. And I hate to bring this up, but we got to address the elephant in the room. Uh, Taysom Hill is still making $11 million or so this year come hell or hot water. So if we continue to load up at that tight end position, he's put right back in that situation where you're paying a guy that you still don't know what he can do at this position as a starter. So, Well, listing him at tight end, <laughs> once again, we, these Taysom Hill conversations have been complicated for, for a long time now. But listing him at tight end versus at quarterback – or, you know, having him as a, if our quarterback goes down, it has to be Taysom Hill. Eliminating that from him and throwing whatever label on him, tight end, running back, fullback, I don't care what they labeled him as, now you can get your worth out of him. It's not... At, at what position, though? And at, at everywhere. You wanted to put him everywhere. That got eliminated when you decided he was going to be your number two quarterback for sure. That's gone. He's not playing quarterback for you no more. Kick returns, punt returns, kickoff. Like, he can do all that shit again like he was when Drew Brees was there. So, I don't think, yeah, you put the label of tight end on him, but now you really get that Swiss Army knife Taysom Hill back that we had in the beginning. And see, that's what I'm saying. We're we're so much of a better rounded team at certain positions that I feel like it's going to be impossible to put him in over one of those other receivers that we have. I don't want to see him over, um, you know, um, Jarvis Landry or or, um, Hardy or or any of those guys because I feel like they're better at that position than what he is. Oh, yeah. I don't don't think you see him at receiver, per se. I I I think the tight end position, I think you still get some packages where he finds himself under quarterback every now and then. Um, But I don't – I don't – wide receiver – if anything, to those top three guys, maybe he lines up at the number four. I know you said you don't want to see him out there taking snaps from Deontay Hardy, but I wouldn't mind that. Um, I just don't see him. Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, he's not taking snaps from them, though, from those guys. So, so realistically, I'm just saying it's – I mean, you're not going to have a bunch of sets over and over where you got four guys lining up at receiver, or you don't want to go – you know, even if you do go uh, in a big set where you have two tight ends, then I'm I... I'm about to say, you're going to see a lot of that, though. The two yeah. tight ends, three tight end sets, you know, you're going to see a lot of that. But, but once again, realistically, how much is he going to get the ball in those situations? Because that's more of running sets or, you know, something that's going to get rid of the ball quick or whatnot. Uh, I think Trotman is by far the best blocking tight end on our team, and he has the most potential. Oh, I think Nick Vanette is the better blocker. You think he's better? Yeah. I saw plays last year when Trotman really won his matchups blocking. Yeah. Like, really won his matchups. And I was like, we didn't have that in a very long time in New Orleans. Yeah. But, you know, I just I just can't see a situation at receiver for Taysom Hill. However, I do at tight end. But if if it is at tight end, I don't think he's our number one immediately. So if oh, you, I don't think he's our number one ever. I mean, I'm and, not going to say that's ever. What I'm saying. So if you bring the hope is that Troutman is that guy for me. Right. 
The hope is that Adam Troutman is that guy. Um, but I once again, Taysom Hill has proved that he he can go out there and play tight end. Um, but if he's playing tight end for us, that means Adam Troutman is once again being disappointing. That's what I'm saying. And if you bring and if you bring in a veteran like Kyle Rudolph, who you know is better than Taysom Hill at that position, then now you got two guys that's better than Taysom. So how is he gonna touch the field? Even if he's our for sure number two tight end. I mean, he's paying, he's making $11 million being a number two tight end, and that's it, basically. I mean, it's yes, just... But it's not it, once again, because now you get the ability to play him full-time again on special teams, which is something that got him this money in the first place. $11 million to play backup tight end and special teams? That's a lot, brother. I, I just, It was a lot at cornerback. Like, that hasn't changed. We knew what the money was when they switched to the <laughs> The money hasn't changed. We've yeah. been having the same conversation for years. He got the money now. So yeah. now it's, it's being able to utilize him the best that we can uh, at this point. And once again, tight end special teams is number one. He had, He's going to be a big part of special teams. Special teams. And then you fit him in on offense wherever you can. Yeah. We'll see how and it goes, man. And it's important for injuries. What if one of these tight ends That's what I was about. What if wide receivers do go down? Yep, that's, that's what I was about to, that's yeah. what I was about to say. I think he's the ultimate backup, period. Yeah. I wouldn't care if they line him up at running back if Mark Ingram go down or Elvin Kamara is going to be suspended to start the season and in certain situations they want to put the ball in his hand lining up behind the quarterback. I don't care, but as long as he stays far away as quarterback as he possibly can. That's the second position for me that you just brought up, running back. I think we have to go get another running back. Um, the Alvin Kamara suspension. I think they did. Not one that matters. The the number the the Alvin Kamara suspension hopefully comes sooner than later. If once again these situations play out differently, we could go this whole season and he not get suspended and then incur the the next season. Right. But if it's going to incur this season, hopefully it happens earlier rather than later. Um, but once again, you're looking at a, a Mark Ingram who isn't what he was when we had him the first time around. Um, we have. Um, guys like what's the name, DeAndre Washington, and uh, I always struggle with the other guy named Zigbo or uh, Azebo or whatever his name is. We brought him back, um, mm-hmm. and then you have the guy Abrams out of Baylor, who they brought in on an undrafted deal. Uh, we got to get another running back. If, if we're going to be missing uh, Alvin Kamara, um, Locked On Saints, he was talking about the post June cuts and trades that you can see because mm-hmm. now, you know, it, it frees up. It, it lets teams work money a little differently to save them stuff. Uh, and one guy that he pointed out was Chris Carson. Chris Carson may be out of his way out of Seattle. Would you like a, a player like Chris, uh, a guy like Chris Carson who can do a lot of the things that you um, – would want to get out of a Mark Ingram, but can also, you know, catch a little bit out of the backfield and stuff like that. And if he ends up getting cut, most of his money is accounted for, for Seattle. So you bring him in on, you know, a, a low cost. Um, just, I, I, I really liked, um, God, what's the running back? Um, Williams. Uh, Daryl Williams? Played for Kansas City, uh, went to LSU, mm-hmm. um, but he 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 signed elsewhere recently. Um, but that was a guy that that also could have been a, a potentially good fit. I just if if Alvin Kamara gets hurt, I mean not get hurt, but if he gets suspended for however long. 
time that is. I don't like our running back room and the way that it looks without him for however long of a period of time that may be. And I'm really not worried about running backs because it's almost a given somebody's going to get cut. Like, that's just how it goes. And then before the season starts or whatever, then you start talking about the whole trade situation where teams have three running backs that, you know, one is already unhappy. It, that happened last year, but the team just refused to trade them out, and I couldn't figure out why. You're what talking about uh, was it in Marlon Mack? Who? Yeah. Marlon yeah, Mack. Yeah. When they, that was who? The Colts? Colts, yeah. Yeah, they just refused to trade him for whatever reason. He had nothing to do with their offense. Come mm-hmm. hell or high water, they wasn't going to put him in. So I'm saying you're going to always have those type of situations. And maybe the Saints have to step up and pay a little bit more for his draft pick goals or whatnot to get a guy in-house. But that's almost a given that you're going to find a running back. So I'm not too worried about that position. Yes, and, and to me, it's way... To me, for that position especially, it's a sooner it's a sooner rather than later type deal. Uh, I would rather honestly have to sit around and and find a linebacker to land on once veterans start getting cut in the preseason, rather than you know waiting for that running back. Mm-hmm. I feel like that running back position is one that you want to jump on sooner just to get the guy in the building because it ain't going. Not too many Mark Ingrams out there that already know your system that you're just going to be able to plug in and play like that. Oh, yeah, and you're not going to be able to get that. And when I say a plug-and-play guy, I mean, I mean somebody like Sonny Michelle or someone a little better of that caliber, kind of like how we got Latavius Murray. Um, it's going to be something of that nature. To be honest, Chris Carson is kind of, if we end up with Chris Carson, I'll be super excited because I just feel like it's going to be other teams out there that better suit him and give him a better chance to actually earn a paycheck next year. Um but anybody who we get that's even halfway decent, because we're not looking for a starter. We're looking for somebody to get us over the hump while Elvin Kamara is hurt. So any anybody that's a true number two. Well, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't. <laughs> you get the right guy. I wouldn't count I, Mark Ingram's touches. I I could see that going to somebody else. Like I, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. So if not even a starter, but if you get you a. a Chris Carson, you got a guy that's now spelling, you know, Alvin Kamara for the whole season, not just while he's going. Well, you know, Chris Carson kind of suffers with injuries almost every year as well. But I'm just saying, I think it's going to be better suitors for him. If I'm Chris, if I'm Chris Carson, I'm I'm not just looking for a team that I can play for for this season. I'm looking I at think a team. You are if you're Chris Carson, because I mean, you I, you assume that most of these guys want to be on winning teams for one. Uh, and get their money as well. He's gotten his money, uh, especially if he gets cut or if he gets traded. He's been paid. So you're looking to go to a contender. Um, I don't know many contenders whose running back situation is we need a starter, you know? And see, when I think of these players, I think over winning, they want to get paid. So I can completely see a player not even. Yeah, but he's got paid. Well, in Chris Carson's situation, he's been paid. You know, so you're talking about a guy who's being cut or traded now because they just wanted to spread out. You know how much they pay. You have to pay him over. You know their cap. And what I'm saying by getting paid, I mean going to the highest bidder. Period. So if you're telling me we're entertaining Chris Carson's on a 3.5 mil deal for this season, but you got somebody like the Lions that's like, bro, we'll give you six. I mean, to me... I don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't... And yeah. once again, it always depends on the guy, but, yeah. you know, when you're talking about... That's usually a younger man's game right there. Like, that's that's uh, the situation I thought 
Leonard Fournette would have found himself in when he first got cut from Jacksonville. But, you know, he ended up taking less to go to Tampa, and that worked out for him. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a – I think Chris Carson specifically – I can see what you're talking about, uh, especially for, for younger backs, uh, you know, these 26-year-olds who might find themselves hitting the market in August, you know, because mm-hmm. they got beat out by somebody else. Yeah, um, but I'll just throw this out too. Uh, if a guy like Chris Carson does get cut, right, if I'm Buffalo, if I'm a team like Buffalo, and it's just the other suitors that I'm talking about, if I'm Buffalo, like, you know, they're going to be on any running back that has anything left in the tank that has proven that they can give something to factors. But I think they are going to have other teams that's in winning situations that, you know, jump up to to look to get those guys too. I don't just think it's going to be a walk in the park for us to just get a good veteran. To oh, play yeah, them. I don't. I don't think we're going to be the only team out there, but once again, it's situation. If you're telling Chris Carson that he's going to be spelling Alvin Camaro for the whole season, that might be better than, hey, we just want you to come back up so-and-so, you know? Yeah. Um. So wrapping up with New Orleans stuff, uh, just uh, two guys out there who could still uh, improve us in general immediately, you know, one would be Odell Beckham. We've been talking about him ever since the LSU players started rolling back into New Orleans. Um, personally, I think that he'll have better, not better situation, well, better situations for him as in somebody who still wants to get paid, who still wants to be a number one wide receiver. I think there'll be better situations out there for him if for some reason they fall through or aren't that appealing to him. Coming to New Orleans, being... He could he could literally, you know, depending on what you expect for him to be after this injury, he could fall anywhere between one and four on a, on a depth chart of wide receivers like we have. So or he can find his way to a Green Bay or somewhere like that and, you know, t- take his chances of being the actual number one. Um, the other one is Adama Kasu. Uh, initially, it was Akeem Hicks that we were, you know, tied to and, you know, have that previous connection with. He went to Tampa Bay. That kind of pushes Indomitka Sue out. We could definitely use another interior defensive lineman um, for sure, especially somebody who can disrupt the pass, um, disrupt everything, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So you can never have too many of those. Uh, Both of those would, once again, improve rooms where, hey, man, you you can't have too much improvement. Um, So those are the only two guys – recently that I've heard linked to us in any way. I think for the most part, we, we got what we, we got what we got going into the next season. And what we got, I definitely, I like. I, I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, always can be better, but you got to like what you have. Uh, one of the best teams we've had in quite some years. Uh, I would love to add Sue, somebody who definitely going to stop the run. Definitely be great to get him to play op- uh, opposite side of uh, Anyamata. Um, but once again, a guy like that, you're going to see a lot of teams jump in to, to snatch him up and try to make a push. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to, to still get him in the building a year or two later. Yeah, and once again, man, I mean, he's been out there. He ain't a fresh free agent. So people, if teams have been reaching out, they've been reaching out, and he hasn't made a move yet. So we'll definitely see how that plans out, pans out. Um, so last thing on the Saints is this over-under that's ridiculous. I'm telling everybody right now, Get on your phones, open up your DraftKings Sportsbook, go ahead and put down whatever you got on 
on hammering the over of the New Orleans Saints, uh, which the over under last I checked was still sitting at eight eight wins. Um, I this isn't even me being a homer in this situation. I I thought that after the draft, I thought okay, we put ourselves in a position of where we should be in the playoffs next year. Um, beat out Tampa Bay, maybe not. So you know, wild card. We're looking at a wild card. Then we added Tyron Matthew. Then we added Jarvis Landry. Then Jameis rehab. You know, we started to see exactly what he looked like. Uh, you know, and the progress that he's been making. Now I'm sitting here like we can win the division. So for eight wins to be the total that we're set at right now, I feel like that's an easy bet to be made on the over on that one. I would honestly be shocked if we drop more than if. If our record is – if we don't get to 11 wins, I'd be truly shocked. I'll put it at 10. If we don't hit 10 wins, I'm truly shocked. But I actually have us um, possibly winning uh, the division. Tampa Bay is a great team. Tampa Bay is a great team. I've been you know, saying this ever since they signed Tom Brady. Um, but we have their number. It is what it is. Uh, we have their number. Uh, even though Mike Evans, you know, won, finally won a matchup against Marshawn Lattimore, um, you still walk away saying we are a better team, you know, than what they are. They uh, they lost a tight end, I believe. They lost O.J. Howard, if I'm not mistaken, or did he resign? Yeah. No, O.J. Howard, I think, ended up in Buffalo. In Buffalo, okay. Yeah. So they, they lost a the tight end who they really didn't use but had a bunch of potential. Uh, at this point, Gronk is not running past anybody on our team who we're going to put on. <laughs> Uh, we started the year off with doubling him. I don't know if you remember that, but we was doubling Gronk. And then by second quarter, it was like, yeah, let's just put Malcolm Jenkins on him and see what he can do. And he yeah. got uh, Run game, we've always been one of the best run-stopping defense in football. So we take away Mike Evans. The only thing I was, you know, kind of worry about is having Antonio Brown in the slot to face. We're not dealing with that. I know you bigger on Russell Gage than what I am. I'll let CJ guard him all day long like we always do. Um, so... I'm cool with that. Um, I'm not. I really want to say win the division, but it is Tom Brady. Uh, that Tampa defense is great. They almost came back and beat the Rams, and that was with injuries in their secondary last year in the playoffs. Um, so if you tell me we don't win the win the division, cool. But I find it hard to believe we don't win ten games next year. I can tell you right now, at this moment, I'm taking us to win the division. Now, as we get, we still got time, you know, so anything can happen. You know, Tampa Bay can gain somebody. We can lose somebody. Anything can happen. Right now, I'm taking us to win the division. I'm not saying we're going to run away with the division. I think Tampa Bay is still a playoff team. They're going to be right there. But I'm definitely taking us uh, to win the division. So, you said 10. Once again, I'd be shocked if we don't get to 11. Um. So, yeah. Something real interesting about the take for us, right? We have a new left tackle, but I'm not worried because I was starting left tackle from last year. Armstead missed so many games that, you know, whoever backed him up wound up playing more anyway. So we got a, a better left tackle this year. But both teams have new coaches, guys who they're familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Byron being an OC and Dennis being a DC. So, you know, familiar voices, but just in different roles. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see moving forward, too, from both sides. 100%. And once again, you know the schedules and how they 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 um, they pan out as well. Uh, we haven't talked about our schedule yet. Uh, we'll probably go have a whole show just going through <laughs> our schedule, uh, honestly, and, and coming up with a win total like that. Um, 
but just real quick, what's what's the game you're most looking forward to uh, on our schedule this year? Uh, it's actually two, but if you're going to tell me buckle down and play one, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. A um, lot of LSU in the house. Uh, that's a home game for us. I think the, the building is going to be jumping. Uh, the whole lead up to that game is going to be fire. You're going to have a lot yeah. of support from both sides. Um, and then we get the play against Eli Apple if he's still a bingo. <laughs> so, is I mean, he still a bingo? I, I'm, I don't think they brought him back yet or they have like, you know, a certain time to decide something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I think as it stands right now, he's a bingo. But a lot of people are predicting that they're going to cut him before the season starts. But if he is still a bingo, you know, he's going to probably get two touchdowns on his head that day just, you know, <laughs> for reckless talking or whatnot. So, you know, I, I'm definitely picking that game. Uh, the Raiders with all the, the signings they had this offseason definitely looking forward to us playing against uh playing against the Raiders as well uh so that's that's my two games but if I had to pick one I'm going Bengals the Bengals is definitely up there that's that's going to be a huge one just for the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana in general that's going to be a it's always high energy in the dome that one's gonna that's gonna break some records (laughs) in there that day um for me, outside of that one, the Rams bringing in the Super Bowl champions, hosting them at home, mm-hmm. uh, that's 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 going to be a huge one. They don't, they haven't done anything, uh, in my opinion, to make them not seem like a a, a Super Bowl contender going into next season again. Uh, especially after uh, locking up some guys that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But man, being able to get the Super Bowl champs at home, uh, the last time they was there, the game was incredible. Uh, so yeah, that's that's definitely one that I'm looking forward to as well. Cool. Oh, and we got uh, Lamar Jackson this year too. Yep, we got Lamar yeah, Jackson. I want I want to say that one's Monday night. Uh, if I'm not okay. mistaken, I think that's a Monday night game. Cool. So yeah, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely some games worth seeing on the schedule yeah. for us this year. But of course, that means it's a tough schedule. So yeah, you know. Uh, but once again, we'll we'll do a whole show dedicated to schedule talk uh, coming up soon. Um, so now just looking looking across the league, looking across uh, what else has been going on uh, the past few what, two days. We've seen two huge extensions, uh, both coming you know from the same team. One going to Aaron Donald, putting him at thirty million dollars uh, a year with this new extension, uh, and then Cooper Cup uh, getting paid what he's worth and and you know locking into being around for the next five seasons, uh, at least. Um, the Aaron Donald, I never thought Aaron Donald was going to retire. Um, I always thought it was a play for, you know, his next contract. It was, you know, this is, y'all need to meet this because I'll walk away. Um, if they didn't meet it, do I think he would have walked away? Yes. But I don't think his intention was, oh, I'm really considering retiring. Uh, glad to see he gets, you know, his money. These guys are steadily changing the the money landscape of the NFL. You know, you I talk know. about a wide receiver. We just got we just got a wide receiver making thirty million dollars a year, and then here Aaron Donald comes and says, "Look, I'm more important. Give me my thirty million dollars a year Absolutely. as well." And there's there's not too many arguments to be made against him being, you know, the best player in the NFL. So he definitely got what he deserved. And then Cooper Cup, man, we we seen it. We we know just like Aaron Donald, we see it. We know what the man is. Uh, we knew he was underpaid. Um, Super Bowl MVP. 
he got his money. The Rams haven't have never been scared to pay guys. They 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 haven't been scared to pay guys. So uh, it's not shocking at all to see them uh, giving out money to those who they trust and who who they want their long term. Uh, hopefully it works out for them this time. Last time we saw them give out these big deals to Jerry Goff and Todd Gurley and then had to quickly try to well quickly try to move off of it, but end up eating a good bit of it too. Um, I don't think that'll be an issue with Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. Uh, what did you think about those deals? Well, they both was interesting because you had Cooper Cup that came out uh, prematurely and said, look, I'm not looking to be the highest paid receiver in football. I, that's not what I'm here to do. I just want to be paid, right? So, you know, that left a lot of wiggle room for both sides. And then when Aaron Donald starts saying, start talking about retirement, of course, the money comes up. Thought he was more leaning to Like if the money wasn't there, he would be at home because he's done everything that one can do on the defensive side of the ball. Plus, I just won a Super Bowl. I'm already respected and and talked about amongst the greats, you know, yeah. uh, not the guys he's playing with in his era, but guys who played before him. He has reached that level already. So I definitely think he would have been totally fine with walking away from football. 30 million didn't see that coming, though. Uh, that's, what it, that's what it took to keep him here and is well-deserved. He is a wrecking ball. He is the best player in the NFL, and he's been that for the last couple of years. Everything that the Rams do start and finish with number 99. Um, so well-deserved. I love that players are getting money. I love it, bro. I absolutely love it. I love this day and age we're in with, with football. And once again, you got teams that – these teams are now being able to bet on, man. This new TV money is coming, so the salary cap is going to balloon. We yeah. have, you know, we have the the money to pay the players that deserve it and that we really want to keep around. Um, mm-hmm. And and the quarterback, the $30 million didn't shock me just because a week ago I heard, uh, I think it was Shannon Sharp talking about, look, he wants quarterback money. Uh, and even even hearing that and, and thinking about it, I'm like, hey, and he deserves it. So if he goes out there, he gets $30 million. Uh, hey, you know, hats off to him. He deserves that. And like you said, man, Cooper Cup, that's an unselfish dude. Like he could have came off of the year he just had and say, look, Devontae got 30, I need 30. You know, right. he could have easily went out there and done that. Um, right. But He's- for him... For him to get out there and be able to settle in between the the twenty million and thirty million mark, um, which the thirty million mark is the new, you know, that's the new money, that's the new president. The old president was twenty twenty two million dollars. He got right about right about twenty five, yeah, uh, and and that definitely helps them be able to keep an Aaron Donald long term when you got another player that's willing to you know sacrifice what he could be earning. And I think Cooper Cup saved the day for him because the Rams put a lot of pressure on themselves to find hidden gems and guys that, you know, they draft in later rounds and build up to be starters, but have them connected to that real group core guys that keep this team moving. So if Mm -hmm. Cooper Cup would have took that approach, like, bro, I just saw what Tyreek Hill got in Miami. I just saw what what Adams got with the Raiders. Like, I'm trying to get that. If he would have done that, he would have put them in in a real bad situation. And they just signed Allen Robinson. Uh, who plays the same position. And he got, what, 16 mil or so a year? So, I mean, he really could have, put, you know, put them in a bad spot. But from from start, he was like, look, I'm not here to, to break the bank. I'm not here to do, you know, yada, yada, yada. I just want to be paid respectively, and they got it done. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
I can't think of any other big, you know, signings or extensions that went on since the last time we talked. The only thing that pops into my head is something we covered the last time, which was the Derek Carr extension. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that's it. I don't think we missed anything, trades or any anything of that nature. Not that I can think of. Um, so Baker Mayfield, let's let's talk about him for a second. He's still. I, I don't even know what to call what it is that Cleveland is doing with him right now. Such a um, situation, bro. I, That's a hard situation. I'm looking, so, because we, we're about to tie this into Deshaun Watson as well, but the only explanation to me for any of this is Cleveland is serious when they say we're willing to keep his $19 million on our books. And the reason being because Deshaun Watson might not be there at all next year. And if well, that's the case, and if that's the case, then that's the that's the only that's the only understanding that I can have of you being willing to keep $19 million on your book for a quarterback after acquiring three others. But see, you can't do that. You can't they can do it. No, <laughs> they can no, do it. <laughs> Listen, you we signed we, we brought back Kareem Hunt, cool, right? We lost Landry, we lost Odell Beckham, we lost Austin Hooper, I believe. So all three of those, all th- all three of those guys are gone. This dude is making 19, 20 million dollars. He can't even throw right now. They're telling him, no, stay at home, but I won't practice. No, you stay at home. We're paying oh, you. I don't think he was going out there to practice. He wasn't trying to go practice. Yeah, they, they I'm just saying if this guy wanted to throw right now to guys, they're saying no. You yeah. Make- million dollars to stay at home you use that money to find somebody to go throw to so now the smoke clears and the dust settle and now you say oh yeah Watson not ready we need to come on back how motivated do you think I'm gonna be to pay for the play for that ball club see and that's and that's the and that's that's the funny part because Baker this is this is last year on the contract the last thing he wants to do is not play football this year because then he he, he can't he can't earn another contract in in essence, you know. He's going to end up in a in a in a situation if he doesn't play football at all this this next year. He puts himself in a situation to where his next contract he not seeing nineteen million dollars a he year. I don't think he sees that regardless. Yeah, we disagree. So, what situation can you see this year that you can say if Baker Mayfield does this year? No, I'm not worried about this year. This year he's gotten paid. He's gonna get paid his oh. 19 million dollars regardless. Right. But, but this is a contract year. So right. he, after this season, he's going into okay. I, I'm trying to find my new team. I'm trying to get that long term contract. So he has to play football this year. And see, for I, him, I really- for his brand, for him, for for him, as in I'm trying to show what I'm worth. I feel like if Baker Mayfield does nothing, if he doesn't throw a ball, he walks into a situation where somebody's comfortable paying him at least $10 million for a show-me year. One year, you just start a show-me. I think it's going to be possibly two or three teams that will up the par and say, let's get a multi-year deal. Let's do a two-year deal where you're making $15 million or so. But it's going to be hard regardless whether he plays quarterback for Cleveland this year all he's going to do is run the ball like he's been doing. Now he's going to do it with even less weapons. So I'm saying it's, go- it's going to be a, a very – and then the circus around Cleveland as a whole. If what do you mean less weapons? Well, they just lost Hooper. They just lost they, – They still got David Njoku. He's, he finally stepped into their number one role where he should have been. 
obviously. That's why they were willing to give it to Austin Hooper so quickly. Go look at his numbers last year and then tell me what did he As a number two tight end. As a number two tight end. He shouldn't have been their number two tight end. Okay. But but once again, Austin Hooper came off that amazing last year he had in Atlanta, and they paid him all that money, so got to stroll him out there. Okay, so we got a tight end that's that's learning to be a number one tight end. Then you got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's No, no, no. You got Amari Cooper. You have your number one wide receiver. You got Amari Cooper. You have so that's the starting point. Yeah. You have Amari Cooper, but you have Donovan People Jones, who is the most familiar target that he has in Baker Mayfield. He has never thrown to, to uh Amari Cooper. So he walks in right now saying the only guy I really know is People Jones. That's well, people Jones and whoever else is on the depth chart at wide receiver. I can't think of the other guy's Anthony names. Uh, the uh, Schwartz, uh, Anthony Schwartz, and um, there's one. There's one other dude that's better than. What's the other guy? They got Higgins. What the many Warriors last year? Higgins. Yeah, that's who it is. I mean, Rashad see, Higgins. that's not nothing that's gonna make a quarterback jump and say, "Oh yeah, I won't go through to those guys." I'm just that's saying familiar, that's familiarity. You asked who he was gonna be familiar with. That's a that's so that's if the same I tell you last year if I tell you Baker Mayfield uh, has a hard, uh, really don't throw and all this miss OTAs and he walks in the building with Amari Cooper, People Jones, Anthony Switzer, so whatever his name is, and and Rashad Higgins, you saying that's enough where we could be competitive? Uh, be yes, hell yeah. Okay, cool. As long as as long as he's healthy now, as long as his shoulder is healed, as long as he's a healthy quarterback now, hell yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I, I just disagree. I think there's no way in hell they can expect make a, Baker Mayfield um, to go out here and gut it out, play through any type of, not just injury, but any type of emotion that he may has. Once I, again, I, it's it's in his best interest. That's It's in his best interest. Because for one, you're playing football, so if I put you out there, you either go 100% or you get hurt. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, once again, you're playing for a contract. Not for us. We don't we don't want you beyond this. But the other 30 teams, 29 teams that's out there, you you playing for a contract. Yeah, I and see I can I can I can realistically see him taking a, a one year deal next year, 10 million, or like I said, two years for fifteen, whatever the case is. I mean, if he has to, of course, that, that's the deal. Play. I think he I guarantee you he'd rather play for Cleveland this next year if he's actually going to be playing because Deshaun Watson is suspended. Um, he would rather do that than sit out a year. Yeah, and, I, and it's kind of crazy because you say that, and I and I get it, but he almost is just as doomed to go out there and force it and play bad. And now you put yourself to me in just as the worst situation is not playing in the first place. If he goes out there and plays bad next year, I guarantee he whatever played, he, he played bad last year, he played horrible last year. Okay, so once again, if he goes out there and plays bad again next year for Cleveland, if it ends up not improving his stock any, I doubt it worsens his stock any. So I think he can go out there and play bad next year and still get that one-year $10 million deal, two-year oh, $50 million deal that you're talking about. And that's what I'm saying. He's going to get that regardless. So I'm just saying expecting him to play good this year to me is just kind of – You're talking about a 25-year-old quarterback who, who – once again, this this is his time. This is going to be his first opportunity to get a big contract. He's yeah. not trying to, yeah, man. This is a 
That man, that man knows what he can be worth if he goes out there and, and performs. I so he wants to go out there and perform. Yeah, and I just don't even see a situation where Baker Mayfield can be put in maybe Carolina if everybody stay healthy, but how much better is he than what they already have? You think he's like... And Seattle, way better. But once again, in Seattle, what he got, if Russell Wilson couldn't do it, what makes you think Baker Mayfield can do it? The only difference they, with... Once again, once again, it's not a... Once again, what are you looking for? If he lands in Seattle, if he lands in Carolina... He's looking at being in a place for more than just this year. This is this is now becoming once again. I'm auditioning to keep this job. I'm auditioning for my five year deal after this. Right. So it's not just about whether you know what he makes. You know exactly how it looks because we know Seattle is a bad team now. We know Carolina isn't that great of a team, but it's about him being there. Oh, I'm already in the building. I'm already getting familiar with y'all. I'm going out there. I'm going to put out what I put out. That, think, and yeah. banking on that being enough to actually lock up his five-year deal or whatever the I, case may be. I think anything outside of him landing in Carolina, right? And I mean early because, like, time is ticking. Time is ticking. He can't get traded there two weeks before the start of the season whatever the case is, released, whatever. And, and then teams, you know, just have to sign him for the minimum. He needs time. And I'm just saying him not even being present, that's tough, man. You you're telling him to stay home. That's tough. I it's hard for me to believe that they will really turn to this dude. And I get it. Watson suspended, whatever, come on back, bro. We paying you, you ours. But I'm just we're saying paying you and we're gonna pay you regardless. Yeah. And, and once again you got and if it comes to that, so say they come down today. Hell say say they wait. Say they come down week three of the preseason and like, all right, Deshaun Watson, he out for the season. We can't let him play. He fuck. He, he what he's done is ridiculous. We can't let him play football this year. I'm paying Baker Mayfield eighteen million dollars. Regard, get out there. Absolutely, get and, out. There. And, and, and once again, it's it's get out there in in a familiar setting though. Because I, I get what you're saying if, look, we're going to give you week three of the preseason. Now we're going to cut you. Now go find your place in Seattle. Now go find your place in Carolina. Yeah. Or what the case may be. That's, that's, that's different. That's tougher. But right. once again, if one of those teams take him on, they're taking, taking him on to see if he can be their future. Right. For Cleveland, it's we're familiar with you. You're familiar with us. Go out there and produce. Yeah. So if you're Cleveland, that's the gamble you're taking. Yeah. And at this point, I think that's the gamble that they're willing to take. Obviously, they would have already gotten rid if of I, If I'm Baker Mayfield and they do that to me, I will go in and come right back out hurt. That's what I would do. I may say that I'm hurt ASAP, like very quickly, um, before I can even get in the game. If I'm on that roster to start the season, I'm on that 53-man roster, I'm hurt. Like, don't play me. Don't throw me out there to the wolves. And, get and, and once and once again, who does he benefit from that though? I think so because everybody no, he doesn't because every team gonna look at him and be like, nah. Bro. Everybody gonna know he's sitting out. I mean, it's hard to justify any team doing not any team any employer doing that to an, to an employee. Period. Um, let alone with with you know wanting me to get back out there and then produce. I get what you're saying, but I think you're taking away the whole. This is like a true person and like. Oh, this, once, once again, no, I'm not taking away none of that because I'm looking at it as what benefits you. 
does, does sitting home next year benefit Baker Mayfield? No. In in no in no situation does it's it benefit. It's so funny him. you say that because I'm gonna say I, you know I don't like I, I I don't like what I see on the field from Baker Mayfield. So you telling 100%. me so you tell me sitting at home doesn't help him, and I'm gonna say him playing and playing bad doesn't help him. So that's but, but what if he plays good, Reg? But what if he plays bad? What if he if he plays bad, it doesn't hurt him. Because you've already feel like he's been putting out bad tape for, for three of the four years or two and a half of the four years he played. You already don't think he's good. I think I think if he gets out there with, with everybody healthy and play bad, then that those numbers for his money and teams come down a little bit. I don't so, think so. I yeah. think just like you said, if he sits out a year, he'll still have a deal on the table that's yeah, ten year. million dollars yeah, and incentive base and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it'll still be there, even if he goes out there and plays bad next year. Yeah, and, and it'll, be out, it'll be out there maybe just for less teams. Who knows? But yeah, I just maybe so. I think it's just Cleveland is just Cleveland at this point, bro. Like this is beyond Baker Mayfield. This is beyond Deshaun Watson. This is Cleveland. Um, they put themselves in this situation. I can't say that they're going about this the wrong way, though. As a business, as a business, I if I'm going, they're going to pay him regardless. They're paying him eighteen million dollars next year, regardless if he's a Cleveland Brown, a Carolina Panther, a Seattle Seahawks sitting at home. We're yeah. paying you eighteen million dollars. So for my business, it's best if my eighteen million dollars is under quarterback if needed. I mean, it's under center if needed. I, I so I, I can't even I can't even look at it and be like, man, Cleveland fucking this up because they not because if they could have got something great for him, he'd be gone. He, if they could have got a third round pick for him, he'd be out the door already. I think just, I, and I think they could. I think they just people, didn't look it early enough. I think if they were going to get a third round pick or anything of substantial worth for Baker Mayfield, it would have had to have been before the Deshaun Watson thing. And, and that's what I, and that's what I'm saying. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think and, and I think once part I think of landing, I think 100 percent because I mean they even came out and said it, but I think 100 percent they were willing to continue to roll with Baker Mayfield until the Deshaun Watson door opened, absolutely. and then they were like, "Oh, we got to go for it." Absolutely, and then they went for it. They gave him, yeah, of course. But of course, it wasn't a situation to where they could have. Okay, let's try to get Baker out the building, and didn't do this Deshaun Watson thing. You know, it 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 happened so quickly that it was okay. Now we gotta we gotta we gotta roll with whatever this Baker Mayfield situation gonna be. Yeah, and I was just telling somebody at work that like every you know we like well everybody need a quarterback. Well, no, people found their quarterbacks. Houston yep. is is comfortable going with Davis again. Yep. And then you say, well, most teams need a backup, and he's the best backup. No, I want Jimmy Garoppolo over Baker Mayfield. If you really? tell me, yes, if you're telling me they both are 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 free, and I can sign them both for about the same amount, I'm willing to roll with Jimmy, who's been more successful. Uh, we know Jimmy is not a first tier first tier quarterback. But to, by all means, he's not trash. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, no, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is trash. I just don't see a big separation between Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield. I don't. The only Jimmy thing that's make, different to me is their situations. Jimmy, you know? can, <laughs> Jimmy can make the throws. We saw him make the throws with two teams. Now, his situation has been way better than Baker Mayfield. 100%. For his talent around him, coaching around him, 100%. all that good stuff. All that good stuff. But we've seen Jimmy make the throws when he had to. 
Not saying he did it clean, not saying he didn't turn the ball over. I'm just saying we've seen him win meaningful playoff games and make those when he had to. The only thing about Baker Mayfield is, although he's had different head coaches since he's been in the league, different OCs, all this good stuff, when it's time for him to make a throw, we really haven't seen it. He went on a stretch the year before last for about five games, including the playoff. Six games, yeah. Yeah, that includes the playoffs. Well, we were like, now this is what a first-round pick looks like. This was the first overall selection should look like. But then you come right back in the building. Everybody's fully healthy. It's time to go. And then it's kind of like you just sink and play back Except down. him. I'm Everybody's sorry? healthy and ready to go except for him. He wasn't healthy. And he went out there anyway, and that's on him. Like, once you – if you hurt you know if how, you hurt and you go out there and you play, that's on you. But once exactly. again, he was hurt. So and I can't – And that's what we have to judge him by. You, that's how sports well, go. No, I, judge, I judge him by the – I judge him by his average. So he had two good years. He had two bad years. I judge him by what the average of that was. Who, so I, once who, again, you saw, once again, you pointed out the stretch of before the, the year before last where he had that seven-game stretch. And if I'm looking at that and saying, okay, I got his four-year average, hurt, healthy, coach, whatever the case is, I know what he is, but I also know what he could potentially be. Even in a bad situation, because even when he was doing that with Cleveland, you know, he was out there throwing to Rashad Higgins, you know. So even even when he had his good, really good stretch with Cleveland, it wasn't with great talent outside of his backfield. Well, you know? that, that year that they did that, that defense finished, I want to say top five to seven. I'm talking about what he did. Well, that's so what I'm you saying. looked at I'm him and you saw him throwing the football and making reads, and you like, that's what it's supposed to look like. Like yeah. I don't even care about you know the well, running game or the defense or anything like that. that. And that's what I'm saying. The system in Cleveland was good. I'm saying they had a foundation. You know, they still ran the ball better than than the majority of the NFL with their two backs or whatnot. They still had a pretty powerful O line. All that good stuff. You mix that in. Miles Garrett to me should have won MVP, uh, uh, defensive player of the year that year. That was the year he got COVID. Um, but you mix all that in with the fact Baker Mayfield is playing good and Cleveland, you know, can see the potential. But then when you say things like, all right, Baker, such and such is down, we need you to do a little bit more. Defense is getting off to a slow start this year, so we're going to need you to do a little bit more. I'm just saying I feel better asking Jimmy to do those things than yeah, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I get it. I, I, I feel it. But I, look, I always look at it like this. If you if you put Baker in San Francisco these past three years, four years, instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, what would San Francisco look like? I think the same or worse. Yeah, see, and I think it would 100% be a better team. 100%. Yeah. Um. So let's move on from him. Uh, Deshaun Watson, did you – what you wanted uh, to – I'm just ready for this shit to be over with him, yeah. bro. He out the clear. He's back in the clear. He's out. He's in. All of all of the victims or however you want to call it, you know, um, folks involved was taken care of and Saad has agreed. And then you look up the next day and there's seven more people that don't came out the world. Yeah. Like, I'm just ready for it to be over. I hate. There's so much to hate about this story in general. But the the legal system, of course, as we know, has their flaws, has their their, their spots to where um, there's a gray area. 
and it seems like he's living in that gray area right now, right. being that is civil suits, it's not criminal lawsuits. He's been to grand juries. They say, look, we're not going to convict, you know, and things of that nature. So in the end, it seems like the NFL has to be the, they have to be the deciding factor of what, of basically whether he was guilty or not, which you don't want the NFL being that either. Right. Um but then also, like you said, you can't ignore that every other day. It seems like there's more people coming out um, with the latest developments of what his lawyer is going out here and saying who should be sitting at home and shutting up. He's making everything worse. Uh, but what he's coming out saying and then the new the new people coming up with lawsuits and stuff like that, it's hard for me to believe that Deshaun Watson going to play football next year. I thought initially it was going to be, look, he's going to get eight games. That's probably going to blow. It's going to probably, you know, blow over in the sense of, his, you know, suspension after that, but man, every other day is something new, and it's hard for me to see the NFL being able to put him out there on the field next year. And to me, it's still 50-50 because more and more people are getting involved. Um, now the Texas and former teams, they are involved in it. You know they're going to try to paint which is, which is the reason they, I feel like now, now looking back at it, I can say that's why they wanted to get rid of him. That's why they were, look, he on the trade block, because right. they wanted to separate themselves from Absolutely. being drug into this, Absolutely. and they failed at that. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm saying now they got to paint a clean and squeaky image for him to protect themselves. Yeah. Because you're just as guilty if you were setting up these yep. private massages or whatnot, yep. paying, it, paying for it out of the team and setting it up with, with your uh, employers. Um, you're just as guilty by association. So they're going to paint the, the clean image, which ultimately will help him in this situation. Um, I kind of take law enforcement pretty seriously. A lot of people think it's black and white, but it's actually a lot of gray area in law enforcement. So, um, and that starts from the lowest level as, as patrol cops or whatnot. So um, it, it's very interesting to see this thing you know, unfold, but I'm still giving him a 50-50 chance to play this year. He has not... I think it's very important to to still understand that this guy's innocent because I kind of get the sense when we talk about him, not just me and you, but in generally when 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 he's spoken about, they're they're framing it as as if he's guilty. Yes, um, he's he's innocent until proven guilty. Yes, doesn't mean yes. he's truly innocent. We don't yes. know, and that's Absolutely. the problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so you kind of feel on his side, this young guy who gets a taste of success. Uh, a great quarterback, great football player, but then there's victims on the other side of folks that's so claiming their victims, victims yeah. that, yeah, you know, that you also want to extend uh, your love to. So, you know, I'm just ready for, for justice to be served and this thing could be brought brought to court, whatnot, and get sorted out and everybody can move on. And there's two things that make me, that have brought me to the side of, he going to be gone for next year. The first one is the Trevor Bauer thing that happened in baseball where they it's a different situation but it's along the same lines where mm -hmm. they actually had physical proof of what he was doing they mm -hmm. said look you're gone for two years we're banning you from two years for two years and then we also have the we have now because of what they did with calvin ridley and saying you bet fifteen hundred dollars on football while you were hurt you gone for a year you can't set that precedent about gambling and then turn around and eight games for sexual misconduct or whatever you want to deem it at that point, especially when you brought down 
suspensions over over things of this nature without a conviction before. They did it with Ezekiel Elliott a few years ago and gave him what what was it four four to six games? I think they gave him six and then they he appealed and they got less. But you gave him six games without any conviction, without any true proof of what it was that he was um, accused of. So mm-hmm. I think I think them being coming out and saying we're going to give you half of a season would probably it is it would be a backlash that they 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 just want to avoid. But two things with with, with that Ezekiel Elliott situation. Um, once again, no evidence was found prior to the. NFL suspended him, and I kind of feel like the NFL is starting to get a reputation for prematurely suspending folks, right, just because you were simply involved in the situation. And they even made a statement where we have to realize when these guys are falsely accru- uh, accused of something, them themselves become the victim. We're so quick to try to to help the victim because that's what we were taught, but we also have to have to keep in sense that if this person is ha- doesn't have anything pending against them, that any evidence showing that they made a, a mistake or whatever the case is, them themselves may be a victim as well. So that's why it kind of gives me a little bit more hope with Deshaun Watson. I think that's why this thing is playing out just a little bit longer than we kind of normally see it. Um, I think it's going to take some evidence this time uh, to really be able to hammer down an eight-game suspension for rumors and circulation. Um, oh, I think he gets eight regardless. He gets eight games regardless of what they can and can't prove. Yeah, I think I think he gets eight games off of forty women or or forty plus women are accusing you of this. I think he gets eight games off of that in general. And if I'm him, I'm a, I appeal that very quickly because That's fine. Once, you you can appeal it. And I, I don't. Once again, is how much ridicule would the NFL take behind I, this situation I with their, with their female base? No, I get it. I get it, but we also have to flip that thing and reverse that thing, too, because we know in the time of age that we're in, everybody's out for a dollar. So it may have been five, and then everybody else just start coming up out the blue like, yo, I'm trying to get some of that money, too. That's true, that's, but that's I, I think, and I think, the NFL, I, I think the NFL is also going to take, you were told to sit at home last year and still got paid. I think they're going to take that into the consideration, too. It yeah. wasn't his decision. It was Houston's decision. Cool, but you you got paid last year for not for not playing football. That was my club's decision, not my decision. Correct, correct. But once once again, we can't hold the NFL uh, judgment higher than what we're going to put law enforcement and and courts. Oh, but that's what the NFL is. Once again, if there if there if there is no if 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 there is nothing brought against him in the form of a court. That's what the NFL does. The NFL says, we don't need proof. Roger Goodell said, I'm here. I'm going to decide. Absolutely. That's what he do. But I just think for this situation, eight games is a little extreme to say no proof. If you got proof, I'm cool with whatever suspension you hand down. But if if you're going to say no proof whatsoever after all this, after 40 people, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm painting the image that I'm the victim because really he is, if that's the the case. Yeah, I think... (laughs) And, and it's crazy because I, I, I definitely get what you're saying, but I, and once again, it's gonna come down to how much you weigh forty yeah. plus women. Yeah. That's proof or not. Because yeah. once again, it one, two, three, 
we got up to 10 and I was like, come on, Deshaun Watson, something, I don't know what it was. I'm not saying you raped anybody. I'm not saying yeah. something here happened. Yeah. And Me now and you done ballooned it up to 40 plus people. Yeah. I, you got you, to take the good with the bad, but yeah. out of, it, it go both ways. Out of 40, if if ten, if 20 is held that they got some type of proof, whatever punishment. But yeah. if Sean Watson and you got 40 people saying that I did A, B, and C, and we go to court and none of them got any type of proof or, or whatever, then it's kind of like, you know, it kind of yeah. go both ways, man. Yeah. And once again, we we still going to be sitting around waiting for this to play out because we can talk about this and, crazy case all day. And Cleveland's uh-huh. still going to be paying him regardless. Yep. That's the crazy 100%. 100%. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the NBA real quick. Uh, we done made it to the finals. We haven't talked in a while. Uh, I know the last time we talked, uh, I had uh, I had already switched my pick because of the Chris Middleton injury. Uh, so I actually had Boston versus Golden State in the NBA finals. Um, didn't expect Phoenix to fall off the way that they did. Uh, the Miami Heat series was a great one. But now we're here. Game three was last night. Boston's up 2-1. Another game in Boston. Then you head back to San Francisco. What has been the differences in these in these three games that we've seen so far to you? Clay Thompson. <laughs> uh, Clay is not the same Clay that I remember when he was healthy. And, and it's more than, than just Clay for Golden State. But to me, he is the, the biggest thing that I can see uh, change for them. Yeah. Uh, Draymond has to has to be able to shoot the ball. Um, Golden State gets nothing from their four and fives, like whatsoever. They get nothing. Like Draymond could push a break, he could make a great pass, he could defend all this and that. But Boston is not going away from Draymond Green when he's caught guarding Marcus Smart or Brown or Tatum. It's not like those guys are swinging the ball around saying yeah. let's find somebody else to go at. They treat him like he's just a regular Joe when he's guarding them. Um, but from jump, right? From 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 jump ball. Mm-hmm. To me, it's four against three because Golden State got two guys on the floor that can't produce offense, and Boston only has one. And if you look at what Boston has done the second and third game, that Williams started, but they're pulling him after two to four minutes and getting another shooter on the floor that makes it even harder for Golden, Golden State to guard all those guys. So at any point in time, no matter who catches the ball for Boston, it's bombs away. Versus Golden State got two guys that's out there solely for defensive purposes. So I, I think that's kind of what's going on. Uh, plus, Clay, we haven't seen Clay have one of those performances where him and Steph are both shooting the peel off the ball. Uh, Clay finishes with 40, and, and Curry's right there with 30 to 40 as well. Unless that can happen, um, it's going to take a collective effort for Golden State to turn this thing around. Um, we're talking about if Clay's just going to be so so then that means Draymond is going to have to step it up on offense. He's going to have – he hasn't hit a jump shot this series. Like, there's something to think about. Like, a starter who's playing a lot of minutes, teams are leaving you open on purpose. That's not and new, though. Like, that's not, not a new development. It, it is not new, but once again, in the past, we had Iguodala who was stroking the three and, and were playing great defense. We had all these guys subbing in, Sean Livingston being 6'7", being guarded by somebody point guard. We could dump it down. They could neutralize on offense to balance it out. But now it's like a sore thumb because they get nothing in the post. They got no post play. 
Everything is Stephen Clay running off of screens. Gary Payton Jr. is not a great shooter when he subbed in, but he is better than Draymond. But yet that's still somebody who's Boston saying, okay, we're comfortable with letting him shoot and letting him try to beat us. So I'm just saying collectively as a whole, you can almost let Steph do what Steph do, knowing that if we can weather the third quarter somewhat, we still can beat Golden State if I'm Boston. Yeah. It's gonna, I'm going to continue to take the approach that I'm taking, keeping four to five scores on the floor, spacing Golden State out, getting Stephen Curry matched up on unfavorable matchups, and, and go to work. So two things. So for me, number one, the, the reason Golden State is down 2-1 right now is not just the inconsistency of Clay, but the inconsistency of Jordan Poole. So me and Sean talked, uh, we've been talking to playoffs about Golden State and what's different about them and how we agree that this is the same play. We know it. It's hard to be there coming off of ACL and Achilles, you know, tear. So, like, he's not he's not back to that. Jordan Poole has made up for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you combine what Clay and Jordan Poole had been given them, that created Clay. You still got Clay. Jordan Poole has been struggling this, this series uh, as well. So, to me, that's the biggest thing because – Man, Boston had that what seemed to be great first half last night, and I look up at halftime, but it's only a twelve point game. You're like, Golden State is played horribly. Like, what, what's go going on here? Yeah, they're always there. They're always there. But if Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson can together put together what we used to get from Clay, yeah, they winning. They winning these games. I'm um, t- the X factor to me has been Marcus Smart. Marcus mm-hmm. Smart is a dumb guy at a lot of times. He's dumb. He's, he's offensively, he's stupid. He's reckless like Russell Westbrook. He'll put his head down. He'll drive to the rim. He'll get in the air and then decide to make a decision. And that hurts them. But as long as he's doing what he was able to do last night, which is, look, when these guys help off of you to, to double-team a Jalen Brown, to double-team a Jason Tatum, if we can trust you to knock down a good percent of these open shots that you're going to get, all is forgiven. And that's what he's been able to do. And as long as he's able to do that and Golden State and we're not getting the production of a clay that they need, Boston going to run away with this. Yeah. And see, I think even if Jordan Poole and Clay combined for old clay, I think you still... They would have won last night. Easily. Yeah, no, no doubt. But I'm... I, I think it's going to take – we're still going to have to have Draymond Green defending the way that Draymond Green used to defend. I don't because- think so. I was just – I just think that the fact that – the fact that Robert Williams, Grant Williams, those guys, for a lot of – for a lot – I mean, for a lot of the time, they're on the court. And so as long as Draymond is heading up one of those guys, I think – I think at this point in, – and this isn't the Draymond we saw from years ago. At this point, to me, Draymond is more important on offense than what he is on defense. He's more important on initiating their offense in those high pick and rolls and things of that nature, getting the wide open shots for Steph and Clay. I think he's more important in that sense than he is on defense. And the fact that you can put him on a Robert Williams, on a Grant Williams, actually helps in this series. Yeah, but the only difference is so, absolutely. Like, there's one on one basketball that you just said. Like, can't argue nothing about it. The only difference is Draymond was starting to break, making the right pass on offense, right? High pick and roll, all that. But then on defense, he was never a liability no matter who he guarded. We used to look up and look at numbers and be like, oh, LeBron is 
seven for 33 when guarded by Draymond Green. Uh, such and such is eight for 30 when guarded by Draymond Green. So he's not hitting shots offensively, right? But he's still setting up the offense. But on defense, he's an A-plus across the board. But now he's getting out-rebounded by the other team's four and fives. Other teams are playing guys that can run up the court just as quick as he can. And then what I'm saying is as basketball goes, when Boston gets Williams put in the pick and roll too much, they pull him off the floor. His, his knee is already bothering him, right? And he's mm-hmm. not good on the perimeter. They're able to sub him out and get a get another guy in who can move a little bit better than him. And also in return on offense, they're giving you much more than what Williams was giving. But what I'm saying is if Draymond cannot hit a jump shot, plus his defense is taking a, a plunge, I'm just saying to me, overall, that makes everything harder for Steph, Clay, Poole, everybody. You oh, are, I agree. Yeah, you I, are. I agree, but I don't think, but, but I don't think that's the reason they're losing these games. Because once again, we look up yesterday, and Draymond had probably the worst game of his playoff career oh, yesterday. Bad, bro. And it's- once again, we look up, and they're down twelve at halftime, and they're taking the lead in the third. Yeah. If Clay, if Jordan Poole, if those guys continue to be able to hit shots down the stretch, they win. Yeah, and, and see, you and, just but once again, it comes down to to me. It comes down to Clay and Jordan Poole because Andrew Wiggins, man, he was killing them in transition last night. No, yeah. he's not a huge part of they half court offense, but he yeah. was killing them in transition last night. Yeah. He, he was giving them what he could. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think that I, to me, that's the biggest thing: the production of Clay and Jordan Poole. You can afford for one of those guys to be off and probably still get a game, but both yeah. of them being off, you're not going. You you can't. And, and even if both of them play good, Boston can score just as good as Golden State. So to me, even if they're hitting, that doesn't just uh, for surely gives Golden State a win. Defense is going to have to be brought somewhere. That's I disagree great. because once again, we're talking about threes versus twos, Reg. Jason so, Tatum and Jalen Brown are two of the best, <laughs> the best contested shot makers complicated shot makers in the game right now. It's not like they just killing them from three. They're they're getting to where they want to get they're getting to their spots mid-range and they're able to to make these difficult shots. Well not only that, but in half court in in Boston is better and to me, well I won't say better, but they're more fluent right now in half court offenses as well. But if you if you tell me that these two guys are going to hit shots when being guarded by people because all they're doing is raising up over them, especially Tatum you mix that in with the fact that Golden State is being out-rebounded. Boston is getting so many points off of second-chance uh, shots and offensive rebounds. There's just a lot to deal with as a whole. And I'm just saying, to stop the bleeding, I want to turn to my defensive dog, the guy who been rebounding, blocking shots, diving on the ground his whole career. I'm saying if I'm looking for a spark defensively, it has to come from him. We don't expect defense from nobody else at this point on Golden State's team, including Clay Thompson. Uh, Clay Thompson. I don't. I don't expect immaculate defense from them in general. I expect good team, good side of team defense, which is what they're playing. Once again, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are just they, they're too good. Basically, uh, it, it has to be on the offensive end for Golden State because you look at Game Two and how they bust that open, and then once they're out there. They're out there. They, they ain't no, ain't no catching Golden State, you yeah. know. So it has to be those performances of Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, 
two of the three coming out hot yeah. and, and getting ahead. Yeah, I feel you. It can go either way. I just, I'm just, you know, I'm old school. I'm not comfortable with getting out rebounded and giving oh, up I all, get these second, yeah, all these second, all these second ch- uh, chance points or whatnot. Yeah. I'm just not cool with that. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not walking in saying Draymond got the average ten to fifteen, but I'm saying at some point, if you shoot five three pointers in the game, I need you to hit one. If yeah, you're not going, if you're not, not going to shoot five. <laughs> If you're not going to hit one, I'm saying you got to be a dog on the boards. We've seen him. My problem is I feel like we've seen situations where he just get outworked, out hustled, And yeah. that's what I'm not comfortable You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm not used to seeing. Hey, bro. Once again, we talking about a Draymond. We saw five. These dudes getting old, man. And you got they people like Robin Williams. You can see the And you got a guy like Robin Williams who I hit 24 years old and hungry. He's like, man, I'm getting this. So, Grant Williams is unbelievable. Yes. So, hey, it's going to be hard for Draymond to outwork them. You know, I think think they better chances. Let's start getting these shots to fall. I feel you. It's going to be a chess match going back and forth. But I love that Boston starts Williams to keep that rhythm going for him or whatnot. And after three to four minutes, pull him. Come hell or high water, we pulling him. I love that. I love that. Al Horford has been amazing throughout these playoffs in general. But these past two series, Al Horford has been a a very key part to, to... to what what has uh, where Boston is right now, being up two one in these finals. And if you look at it, because you don't have a playmaker at the four to five for Golden State, they have the luxury of playing two bigs on the floor at the same time with no fear of nothing. Yeah. And you know it just goes back to if Draymond was able to shoot, which we know he can't, they they don't feel comfortable doing that. It's just a scheme thing, you know. You're gonna yeah. see. You're gonna see these kind of things throughout the throughout the playoffs, but I wanna play, I wanna, I'm gonna put my money on a team that's more comfortable playing with decor guys. No matter when when Austin takes Williams out of the game and coming with uh with the other Williams, yeah, you got five guys on the floor that can put the ball on the floor and, and get off a shot. You got five guys on the floor, if they catch the ball wide open, they shooting with no hesitation. You got five guys that can that can defend. We saw L. Hoffman. Everybody was like, oh, Poole hit this amazing layup. What I saw was a big play defense for eight minutes on the guard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. not So, I mean, Boston just have the favorable matchups right now. You know, Golden State is definitely leaning on their leadership, the, the past experience, and the awesomeness of Stephen Curry at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I took I took Golden State in seven to begin this series. I'm going to stick with that. I, I really like like I say, even when I picked it, I'm picking in the seven game. So if Boston wins, I'm not shocked. You know, this yeah. is a really good team. And it looked like they 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 finally in their moment uh after yeah. these past five years. But Golden State, man, I, I'm still leaning on their them being here before, then you know, them them grinding it out like this before to still come through. And I took Golden State to win it all regardless. Like, I had Brooklyn representing the East, but I had Golden State winning no matter yeah. what. And I would like to see Steph win another ring. I really would. Yeah. But I, I, the basketball guy in me is telling me uh, Boston is going to win. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Curry, he defines basketball for what we all know. He has already done that. So for him, to, if he's able to pull this off, it'll, it'll just continue to add to his legacy. And that's definitely a talk I want to have with you another day, too, uh, Steph Legacy, because there's been a lot of talk about that and whether he needs validation by this and that. 
and things of that nature. And it's it's a stupid conversation, but it's an interesting <laughs> one to me uh, as well. So we definitely gonna touch on that uh, another day. But uh, so game four, who you got? Boston. You got Boston. I got Boston. <sighs> it's if I want this to go seven, <laughs> if, if if I'm anticipating this going seven, Golden State got to get this game. So I, I'm gonna roll with Golden State. Uh, I'm gonna go with Boston. Um, the the only thing I can see that would keep Golden State, keep Boston from winning is Jason Tatum's health at this point, because nobody nobody else outside of those two have to go out there and play a marvelous game for them to win. So long as those two guys are average, it's gonna be a close game, and Boston should be in it to win. And that's my thing with Boston too. Though Boston has won more road games during these playoffs than home games. They they have moments where they let down at home, and mm-hmm. the, the proof of these past three series has shown me that's very they're very capable of that. So yeah. I wouldn't pass them coming out flat uh, yeah. tomorrow night and go to stay being able to still want to get back home to too. Yeah, up to one, you can start the, the the smell of blood. You can start to smell it in the water. You kind of got a feel for guys, how they're going to guard you and play you. And at this point, Tatum and Brown has to know it's nobody on their roster that can stop me from getting off a shot. And yeah, Wiggins 100%. Phenomenal. His defense has been great. Like, hands down, his defense has been great. The effort, the hustle. Plus, he's given him, he's given his 15 to 18 on the offensive end. He has been phenomenal. Like, I just want to address Andrew Wiggins yeah. at this moment. But at this point, if I'm Tatum, if I'm Brown, I'm just saying, look, worst case scenario, if he's guarding you, swing the ball to me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Let's not make it hard. We're not running from him, but at the same time, we don't need to make it harder than what it truly, what it truly is. So long as L. Harford is is not out here scoring six points and this and that, to me, Boston should win. And as long as Marcus Smart plays smart on offense, like – he has moments where you like, hey, brilliant. Yeah, like you you did exactly yeah, what needed really, to be yeah, done there. Yeah. And then you have other moments where you're like, what you doing? Why why are you I, doing that? I really don't have him making too many bonehead mistakes, but I do get what you're saying. I do Man, get what you're saying. And last night I was I was on Twitter going off. I was like, what is this guy doing? And then he'd come back and he'd be, you know, he he'd get step in the post, he'd back him down, he'd get the bucket over him. That's what you should be doing every time. What's all this extra stuff? Yeah. So, I got it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that play out. Uh, man, it was great getting the show in, which has been too long. Hopefully, we can be right back here next week and right. get another one in. Um, but, man, a great, another great show, man. We appreciate everybody for checking in and listening to us. We know this is a long one. We know we touched on a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, man. We're back. Appreciate it, Sid. I'm in the league, you boys not in my league no. If you listen close, I'm coaching, say keys Cause the boy hella dope without pushing a Blanco Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto If I don't do nothing, I'm about line so Every time I do it, do it the coldest